0: Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verses 20. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said teacher, the man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart All your understanding and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all their offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared answer him. (laughs) (laughs) Ephesians, <laughs> <laughs> chapter 4. So we continue our series. We're at verse 17 on page 1175. You were taught, with regard to your former of well, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on a new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsely and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for you are all members of one body, in your anger, do not sin, and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, only do what is helpful to building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not bring the Holy Spirit to God, the of God, in whom you are sealed off for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slumber, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, of his dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as the fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the birth Amen.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. Um, Before we uh, come to God's word, let me pray. Speak, O Lord, and renew in us all your purposes for your glory. Father, would you uh, open our eyes now to see wonderful things in your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, identity shapes behaviour. Identity shapes behaviour. Who you are uh, shapes what you do. For example, I, as some of you may know, I became a chorister at King's College in Cambridge uh, when I was eight years old. I was a chorister, King's chorister, um, and um, life looked rather different. I think on on a, on the next slide there might be a a, a picture uh, of them um, to prove that I was. There we go. Um, <laughs> when I was a chorister. I was a king's chorister and life looked very different um, growing up as a chorister. I can still remember my timetable. Up at 6.45 every morning, breakfast at ten past seven, instrumental practice at half past seven, choir practice at 8.15, school at 9.15, choir practice again at 4.15, even song at 5.30, dinner at seven, prep at 7.30, and bed at half past nine. Every day... (laughs) Uh, explains a lot. Um, I was a a king's chorister, I was in the choir, and so I had to act like it. Identity shapes behaviour, and it's the same for the Christian. If you were here last week, uh, we we started looking at chapters 4, 5 and 6 of Ephesians that present us with a call to a new way of life. Um, But that call to uh, behave differently uh, is founded on chapters 1, 2 and 3 of of Ephesians, which spell out our identity in Christ. It's the same thing. Identity should shape our behaviour. And this morning in our passage, Paul gives us a a list of commands to follow. It's as though he says to us, uh, Christian, remember who you are and live like it. Remember who you are and live like it. Well, how are Christians to live? Well, our passage gives us four commands this morning to think about. Four commands. And the first one is this. Remember who you are, be different. Remember who you are, be different. And this is verses 17 to 19. See, there it is in verse 17. Paul says, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Now Ephesus, where Paul was writing to, was a hotbed of pagan life. And Paul says that the Ephesian Christians must be different uh, to their surrounding culture. And the same is true for us. We might not be living on the on the doorstep of a pagan cult, but ungodly ways of thinking and acting are all around us. And Paul says that Christians must be different. Now to understand this we need to look carefully at how Paul describes um, the ways of paganism uh, because there's an important sequence here. Just look down at verse 18, see it starts with hard hearts, hearts that are, are hard towards God and that then affects thinking, see verse 17, thinking described as futile and verse 18, dark and ignorant. And that then in, in turn affects the conscience and feelings as they lose all sensitivity, verse 19. And then last of all, that affects behaviour, uh, given over to sensuality, impurity and greed, verse 19. In other words, it's a description of the whole person living against God. And our surrounding culture is full of people who know nothing of God, who don't care anything about what he he thinks and have no regard for doing as he says. And the point is that we are to be different to that. In fact, not just be differently, but verse 17, live differently. Christian behaviour is to stand out as radically different from that of the world around. And that means saying no to certain things. Uh, This hit home to me actually when I was at university, um, as uh, I was an organ scholar in Oxford. And organ scholars are funny people, they sort of attach themselves to the choir of the college and um, play for services and things. And the choir in my particular college had a very um, sort of pagan culture, um, very non-Christian. Lots of drunkenness, choir choir sleeping around with each other, lots of gossip, lots of innuendo. And it was behaviour that I didn't want to get involved with as a Christian. I had to be different. Now, you will live among non-Christians in many different spheres, perhaps in your family, maybe in your workplace, maybe your neighbours at home, perhaps in your football team or in your school, on your course. And if you're a Christian, well, you must live differently to them. Why? Well, because you are different. Where they don't love God, you do. Where they don't care about pleasing God, you do. I'm reading at the moment a a great book by Ken Follett called Pillars of the Earth. Um, Perhaps some of you know It's a big, thick book uh, set in the 12th century. Um, And there's a scene where the hero of the book, uh, Philip the Prior, is captured after a battle. It's sort of set in, in a civil war in England. And the battle is fought between the true king and the false pretender to the throne... Um, and this rogue King Stephen has been captured along with Philip and some other townsfolk and there's this moment where um, Philip the Prior looks over and he sees this guy in the stocks and he's shocked to realise that it's the king, King Stephen he's been sort of stripped down because of the battle and worn down and he just looks like an ordinary citizen I wonder as people see you in your job, in your family, among your friends would they recognise you? as a Christian? Or have you given up trying to be different? Perhaps because you're battle-weary. When the gossip starts, or the swearing starts, or the drinking starts, or the flirting starts, what do you do, Christian? Do you just join in? If you were to compare the search history on your laptop to that of your friends, would there be a difference? If I can ask, how is the battle, particularly men, for online purity... See, when was the last time that you chose not to do something just because you were a Christian, that your friends were doing? See, Paul says, remember who you are. Be different. Okay, but how are we to be different? Well, secondly, Paul says, remember who you are. Be Christ-like. Be Christ-like. And this is verses 20 to 24. So Paul starts with a negative, be different, but he goes on to a positive. Verse 20, uh, look at verse 20. This isn't the way of life you learnt when you heard about Christ. See, we are, we are to be different because, well, we've heard about Christ. He is the one that we are to emulate, be Christ-like. How are we to do that? Well, just follow the, the logic here. We've said that our identity as Christians is that that shapes our behaviour. But where do we learn about our identity well, it's in our minds. This, these verses, in fact, the verses before as well, are full of language of the mind. So look at verse 20. Paul says, You learned of Christ. Verse 21, You heard about Christ. You were taught in Him according to the truth that is in Jesus. See, the gospel teaches us that we have a new identity. Verse 24, a new self. And that new self is Christ, it's Him who we are to copy. Being righteous and holy, verse 24. Now I will do anything for a beautiful view. This last week, uh, Tuesday night, I had the gift of a free evening. Uh, it's been the last week of term, hasn't it? And um, I, uh, when I'm not here in Stevenage, I teach the piano up in Sheffield. And um, it was about sort of six o'clock, the last, um, the last uh, lesson of the day, and I had a free evening. I started to sort of daydream as the lesson went on about what I might do with my free evening. <laughs> um, I, I did teach as well. Um, but it's lo- it a- been lovely weather, hasn't it, this week? And then it came to me. In my mind, I had an image of a place called Breton. And Breton is, is basically just a pub in the, the Peak District. But it has an amazing view. Uh, if you look out to the south, you can see the, the whole of the White Peak uh, spread out before you. And if you turn around, you can look north and see the hills of the Dark Peak. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful view. And, and I, I, in my mind, I saw myself sitting there enjoying the view. So I had a plan. I drove to a village called Havisage and I I ran the four and a half miles to the pub uh, to see the view and then ran back. It was brilliant. (laughs) Even better in reality. But where where did my behaviour that night, where did it start? I went for a run, I looked at the view, but where did that begin? Well, it started with a thought. It started with an image in my mind. And you see, that's what the Gospel does. It gives us a new image to copy and that image is the Lord Jesus. It teaches us that we must be like him, putting off our old self and putting on the new self, verse 24. See, Paul says, remember who you are, Christian, be Christ-like. I wonder if you remember those, those wristbands that Christians used to wear, um, WWJD? Remember that? What did that stand for? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? That's right. This is a little bit like that. That's what Paul is saying. In every situation, we are to think, what would Jesus do? In my mind's eye, what would the Lord Jesus do here? What's the right thing to do? And that's what the gospel uh, teaches us. Just striking here that being a Christian actually isn't just about believing certain things. Uh, Those things also have to be lived. Don't just think about Jesus, but, but, but be like him. Uh, so be Christ-like, secondly. Well, what does Christ-likeness actually look like? Well, Paul goes on thirdly. He says, remember who you are, Christian, be honest, be honest, verses 25 to 28. Paul gives us three um, kind of concrete examples in these verses that are uh, seem to be linked by the idea of honesty. There's uh, most obviously verse 25, um, don't lie. Uh, so the negative, verse 25, put off falsehood. Uh, don't say things that aren't true, but positively speak truthfully. Do say things that are true. Uh, why is that? Well, as we heard last week, it's because of unity, the unity of the body of Christ. We are members of one body. And lying threatens the unity of the church. Because as one commentator says, fellowship is built on trust. Trust. And trust is built on truth, so falsehood undermines fellowship, but truth strengthens it. Now lying is uh, comes most easily, I guess, when... Um, or speak, put it the other way, speaking the truth is hardest when it costs us, isn't it? Because usually we lie to save face in some way. But even when it hurts, we should speak the truth. So don't lie. Then anger. Don't stay angry. Verse 26... Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. Striking, Paul doesn't say, um, anger is sin. He says, in your anger, do not sin. In other words, it's not always wrong to be angry. Indeed, Christians, we should be angry at sin. But our anger is so often mixed with selfishness. And so staying angry is never safe. And so the practical advice in verse 26, don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, deal with anger quickly. Deal with it today. If you don't, you give the devil a foothold. See, the devil loves to kind of camp around uh, angry people, stirring up that anger, so uh, destroying relationships. And if we stay angry, we give him ammunition to work with. That's crucial advice in marriage. Marriage. And it's crucial advice in the church. Don't stay angry. What has that got to do with honesty? It's striking that that comes right in the middle of two commands that have to do with honesty. Well, I think that to admit anger and to apologise for it, to, to, to be a reconciler, takes honesty, doesn't it? It takes honesty that you were wrong. Actually, even if you weren't wrong, uh, reconciling is still a way of losing face, just like speaking the truth. Well, are you angry with somebody today? Well, be the first to reconcile, even if it means losing face. Don't stay angry. And then, uh, next verse is, don't steal. Don't steal. Again, negatively, verse 28, don't steal. Don't take what's not yours. But positively, uh, work with your own hands. Christians shouldn't be lazy, just sponging off others, but should work. Christian, if you can work, you should and then, as you work, you can bless the body of Christ, giving support to other Christians. So, uh, thirdly, then, be honest, be honest. But that's not all. Fourthly, uh, and lastly, Paul says, remember who you are, be kind, be kind. Verses 29 to 32. Various commands here, but they can be summed up, I think, with verse 32 Be kind. And also, I think by the use of words. So, verse twenty-nine: there should be no unwholesome talk in the church. So, don't badmouth people. Don't gossip about them. Don't swear. Don't let your words be driven by anger. See verse thirty-two. Um, uh, uh, sorry, verse thirty-one. That the list of anger, as of words for anger: bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. Just striking that again, anger c- comes up. Uh, in so many different ways you've got to watch out for anger but rather use your words to verse 32 forgive so you don't cut people down with your words I wonder if some of us do this without realising our instinct when we're feeling vulnerable or stressed or cross is to lash out isn't it with our tongues but never underestimate the power that words can have they can wound deeply and those wounds can take a long time to heal Uh, Rather, use your words to build others up according to their needs, verse 29. I think it's striking that two times in these verses we're told to meet the needs of our fellow Christians. You notice that, verse 28 and verse 29? I wonder, do you know or care about the needs of your fellow Christians here? How, How involved are we all in community in each other's lives? The better we know each other, the more able we are to be kind. So Christian, Paul says this morning, remember who you are, be different, be Christ-like, be honest, be kind. I wonder which of those four do you need to focus on? Well, it's very hard, isn't it, to live like this, and we all fail. How indeed is it possible at all? Well, remember we started with the equation that it is our identity in Christ that shapes our behaviour. So let's just think, as we finish, a little bit more about our identity as Christians and how that might help us to do these different things. See, before we remember what would Jesus do, we need to remember, or we need to think first about what, uh, what did Jesus do? What did he do? What did he do for me and for you in the Gospel? Because it's the Gospel that gives us the power to live like this. So think about the first point, be different. See, in the Gospel, Christ became different. He became, as it were, the other. He was obedient to God first, and so rejected by society, by the world, by, even by his friends. He was cast out by society, wasn't he? Even to death. But he did that so that he could welcome you into his family, if you trust him. See, Christian, you will only have the courage to be different from the world if you feel secure. And that security can only come from knowing that you're accepted by Christ and that his acceptance actually is worth more than all the approval that you might lose from your friends or family. So be different. And what about be Christ-like? Well, righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus that we are to copy... Um, There's something else here, because before we copy Christ, remember that we start from being in Christ. That comes first. What does that mean? Well, to be connected to Christ means that God now views you, looks at you, as it were, through Christ. It's like you're hidden in Christ. Christ sort of covers you. And that means first that christ 's righteousness is something that God gives you. He, he treats you as though you were as righteous as Christ, which means that you don 't have to prove yourself to God by being holy and righteous. Rather, you pursue holiness and righteousness because you are accepted. Well what about honesty? Be honest, be honest well. It's scary, isn't it, to lose face for the sake of honesty and reconciliation. And part of that is that we can never quite know what the consequences are going to be. If they knew that I was angry with them, how would they take it? But who holds those consequences? Well, it's God who, according to Ephesians 1, is working out everything uh, for the good, and God, if you're a Christian, God already knows the worst about you, but in Christ, accepts you anyway. See, God knows the truth that I'm hiding, or that you are hiding, but that doesn't stop him determining to bless me. How do I know that? Well, it's because becoming a Christian involves the ultimate losing face, doesn't it? As, as we come before God and say, God, I, I, honestly, I'm, I'm a sinner and I'm, I'm a failure but I trust Jesus to pay for my sins. See, you've lost faith with God if you're a Christian. That means that you can lose faith uh, before others because God accepts you knowing the worst about you. And then last of all, what about kindness? Be kind. Well, do you remember how God treats us in Christ? Uh, Back in chapter 2, verse 7, we're told that God treats us with kindness. See, Christian, how kind... God is to you. Even in your worst weeks, like me this week, I I accidentally poured water on my laptop. Um, It's been quite a stressful week. Even in your worst weeks, God is kind. He treats you with kindness. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. If you're a Christian, God doesn't express his rage to you. He's not bitter with you, though he has great reason to be. Doesn't knowing that make you want to express kindness to others. Well let's pray as we close. Just a moment of silence, perhaps to bring uh, one of those four areas before God's, uh, area that you perhaps want to confess or seek His help to change. Or be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Uh, Father, I pray that um, uh, for those of us this morning who are Christians and who know you, Father, would you open our eyes to the depth of your love and forgiveness uh, for us, uh, so that we might be those who show that forgiveness and love to others. In Jesus' name, Amen.